This WebmasterRadio.fm program is made possible in part by the following. My.AFCON2010.com My.AFFCON2010.com Your social media source for AFCON 2010. The Trade Show, where our affiliates always attend for free. Sign up today at My.AFCON2010.com Check out photos and videos from our past events. Plus, check out our blog and discussion forums. Start socializing today and tell your friends to sign up now at my.afcon2010.com. Sign up today at my.afcon2010.com. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on SEM Synergy. I'm your host, Bruce Clay. With me today are Susan and Virginia. Good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. You can catch SEM Synergy every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. You can also download it at any time from Webmaster Radio Search Engine Optimization Channel. You can stream it from SEMSynergy.com or pick it up on iTunes. We're all over the place. The um, big news of a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, the iPad went on sale to the public. And I keep reading all sorts of people that are so excited to be getting their iPads. Um, and I don't know, some some real people, technology analysts, I think, mostly, uh, foresee the iPad as ushering in a new era of computing, I think. It's uh, the smaller computer is the way it's viewed. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure if that's – I'm not rushing out to buy one. Mm-hmm. I think in a few months they're going to have an iPad 2, and then all of a sudden everybody's going to say, oh, i got to have that because it's bigger, meaner, faster, and it's the world's largest phone. No, no, you can't make calls on it, just like the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> just like the iPhone, you can't make calls on it. Alrighty then. Sorry, I stole that joke from Stephen Colbert. <laughs> well, I, want to, I want to make sure that I got this right. We have an iPad that does connect to the Internet, but you can't make a call. Uh-huh. So You can use like an internet phone app yeah. yeah like skype yeah yeah well i don't know if skype works on it but but i know somebody mentioned that there's some kind of personally app out there <laughs> i'd run skype cheaper um and that's okay they don't they don't have to sell iphones anymore the uh well i don't know okay so your ipod, iPad? iPad yeah well i was no. thinking you know there are if we're to believe the hype that uh, in a few months there's going to be a critical mass of an audience, so should we be thinking about um, making sure that your site renders well on an iPad? Because it's a little bit different. You can flip the 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 to from landscape to portrait, and um, certainly there's the issues with Flash. Yeah, because um, Steve Jobs doesn't like Flash, so there is no Flash. Which means that if you have Flash content on your website, 
they won't be able to see it. Every single user who comes to your site, your beautiful Flash site, you won't see it. Now maybe, now maybe they'll listen to us when we complain about designing sites in Flash. Mm. Well, yeah, the iPhone is why you can't use Flash. I, <laughs> yeah, somehow I, I think yeah. that isn't going to really fly. Uh, you can test to see if Flash is enabled and do something else. But quite frankly, I think the complexity is something that isn't, isn't good. And for a person to sell a product that and say to everybody, we want people to use our product and you will adapt to our product, that's one of those proprietary things that we've been fighting in open source for like forever. Yeah. You're either going to offer what the users want or the users won't use you. Now, I think that there's a lot of things the iPad does, and certainly for that purpose it is, but I don't think it'll be a general-purpose web device. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I I look at it, and I cannot see wanting one. I, I just can't. I, I don't look at it and go, oh, you know what I totally want? I want a laptop that I don't have a keyboard for, or that I have to pay, like, 70 bucks to get the keyboard for in which case now i have a laptop that is no longer attached to itself there's a keyboard for the ipad there's an accessory yeah there there's a stand there's a mouse there's a keyboard you can turn it into like a little computer you know it doesn't run flash what was what was that that apple that was all like in the thing the mini No, no 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 it was the the computer itself was in the with the screen with the monitor. Oh, the 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 yeah. It's like that, but flat. It's the flat screen version of that. Well, you have to hook everything even else have up like to USB it. Now, I'm gonna give I'm gonna no, give an opinion. It doesn't. It doesn't? No. Oh God. I, I think the general concept. <laughs> yeah, I think the general concept of the iPad was probably good. I think that. Um, the things that everybody was shocked wasn't there, that's why they're going to get their upgrades. Because there is planned obsolescence. That's how Apple makes its money. It gets people to upgrade. Oh, you wanted the phone option, or you wanted it faster, or you wanted this faster Internet, or you want a camera. camera. Yeah, the little things that people would would take for granted. I mean, I can't understand how they can come up with something like an iPhone and then so much later come up with a computer that's missing two-thirds of the options. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit, it looks nifty. It looks like when I was younger and was watching Star Trek and they were running around with those little tablets and they were doing everything and, you know, controlling the entire enterprise from their little... It looks like the future. I will give it that. I have no idea why I'd want one. Well, at the same time, do you think maybe some of this is about we're not its um, targeted user base? Like, we're more advanced computer users? Like, I think of someone like my dad, who my dad, I think, would be the perfect candidate for an iPad. He doesn't want to touch a computer. For him, it's too complicated. He doesn't know... He he calls me when he wants tickets to a concert, when he wants anything for the internet. But if I could just hand him and be like, look, you're on the web, just type in where you want to go, that's all you need to do, and he doesn't have to worry about the bells and the whistles, I think maybe he's the audience for the iPad. Well, uh, and I'm certainly not saying that there won't be an audience for the iPad. Um, 
I really need about 20 things strapped to my waist when I go anywhere. I mean, unless I'm dedicated to holding it, I need a backpack or a very large leather <laughs> wrist belt thing. Um, I mean, no matter Finally what. to make the man purse happen. Yeah. I mean, come on, folks. It's the man purse. Thank you very much for that. I, I, there are certain things that it's going to be good for. I don't think we're going to see everybody walking around carrying it. Yeah. Now, I end up doing way too much traveling. And I used to see the Kindle Mm -hmm. occasionally. I see it about twice as much now. Mm -hmm. And I never thought anybody would do that. Um, But yeah, I I think my example a little bit earlier kind of talked me into understanding why someone would want one. It's not going to be your sole device, obviously. But if you could manage to network it back to your actual computer and control your life wherever you're going i can see a contractor using it on a job they're putting in orders and then sending it back to the office to print the invoices and whatever i can see that i cannot see it being like your cell phone where it's just take it out do something put it away it's it's just a little too big for that but i can see it having a business purpose but i don't don't know well uh, one of the questions is even if it doesn't run flash would it run like a pc anywhere kind of an app where the flash is actually running back in the office and I get to just see the screen so I can move move things around. Does that work? Um, because then I would see that it's a great mobile device if you have a, a home-based computer system or an office-based system. That would be great. Yeah. You can go around in our offices. You can go from conference room to conference room. You can take notes. It's posted on your desktop. You can do whatever you want remotely without even having to lug around a notebook. Uh, it seems to me that you don't need Flash to live blog conferences. Yeah, but I'm not typing anything on an iPad. <laughs> what? Sorry. You're, you're, what, your thumbs don't move that fast or what? Exactly. <laughs> I can't tell what I'm typing. I don't know. I, I'd like to play with one, um, but I don't think that – I don't – okay, I'll do that. Let's go to – let's go during lunch. Okay. Um, but I, I can't see it being – you know, the end all. The, the end all, and I don't think that you need to run out and redesign your website to suit the iPad. Think all about right. it when you're designing new stuff, but don't redesign your current website for it. All right, that moved in a totally different direction than I expected, but that's what this show is awesome for. Um, it's time for a quick break. We'll be right back. Stay right there. More SEM Synergies on the way. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. What is this? Why is my website not ranking higher? Sounds like you could use a link building report from SEOfox.com. What's that? You can't rank without good backlinks. And SEOfox.com's link building report lets you enter domains and compare their backlinks. It gives a detailed report that shows you why each domain ranks where it does, and it reduces the time it takes to find more links. With SEOfox.com's link building report, you can find more links, use their search marketing services to find more links, or better yet, they could even build your own backlinks. So you think you're pretty sly with that SEO Fox link building report. <laughs> sly like a fox. Get your link building report today at seofox.com. That's seofox.com. 
How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-server solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. The WordPress Community Podcast, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Bruce Clay. Welcome back to SEM Synergy. This is Virginia, and I'm joined by Alan Blyweiss, an SEO consultant at HeyDudeWhere'sMySite.com. Thank you for coming on the show, Alan. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, last week I was reading... um, different blogs. I actually came across several thought-provoking pieces that you wrote, um, both on your blog, searchmarketingwisdom.com, and on Search Engine Journal. And there kind of seemed to be this common theme running through them, um, which was the importance of setting client expectations um, up front and the place of site audits in that whole equation. And uh, I asked you to come on the show to share your advice based on your experience with this. So, as far as you're concerned, what's the biggest obstacles for keeping a site owner from having realistic expectations? Uh, the biggest obstacles are uh, twofold. Primarily, it's regardless of what I communicate, whether it's verbally or in writing, clients tend to have a preconceived notion of what they believe search engine optimization is going to do for them. And uh, that's the single biggest challenge, uh, is getting to understand as much as possible up front what that expectation is that they come into this with and addressing it throughout the process. Uh, The second challenge after that is uh, the unexpected, the the left things that come out of left field uh, after the fact that weren't revealed in that that initial discussion. And... uh, being able to address any issue that they might bring up. Um, well, part in part, I, you've said that one of your biggest tools in kind of setting up their expectations properly from the beginning is doing a site audit. Um, so how can a site audit set the tone for the life of an SEO project? Uh, an SEO audit, as far as I'm concerned, an SEO audit 
is the single most important tool that I have in addressing client expectations uh, right from the beginning and moving forward. I really believe that a properly conducted audit uh, gives me the opportunity to wake up those clients who, uh, even after our initial verbal discussions, uh, thinks or claims to believe that they understand the challenges that they're going to face and we're going to face together. Because I, I really point out specific uh, scenarios and, and situations with their existing website or with competitor websites, with the competitive landscape, uh, in writing, it's in black and white, and I provide detailed examples both from their site as well as other sites uh, in that document, and it ends up being a 10, 15, or 20-page document uh, that goes a long way to helping them to shift their mindset. Uh, so I put a great deal of emphasis on the audit. It, it, it sets the entire framework of, of thinking from that point forward. And certainly I've heard it before, though, but an educated client is a, is a more cooperative and, in the end, going to be set up for success um, kind of client. Uh, absolutely. The more, I can help the, client, the more I can help the client to understand what they're facing and the challenges that uh, we need to walk through, uh, the more cooperative they are, the more appreciative they are. And actually, at Search Engine Journal, you write, wrote a, an interesting two-part series on the anatomy of a hands-on SEO site audit. So what are some guidelines that you found helpful in doing an SEO site audit, you know, in general? Uh, well, uh, I need to be able to uh, step out of my shoes and put myself in my client's shoes as well as their customers' or clients' shoes. A lot of times what happens in, uh, especially with anything technical uh, in the business world, people tend to communicate from different perspectives, you know, and that's why a lot of programmers are not wise to be placed in direct communication with clients. Uh, uh, that's one of the most common, uh, one of the most common downsides to uh, working in the web world. Uh, we speak different languages. Uh, and we have different understanding of what the purpose of things are for. Uh, so uh, the, the primary focus is to be able to remember that the lingo that I use, that the experience that I have, it's completely alien to most of my clients. And they also have a whole different set of uh, needs because of the fact that they're business owners uh, trying to succeed in an online world. Some of them, purely it's in an online world scenario. Others have a brick-and-mortar store that gives them a completely different set of beliefs and understandings about how things work and how marketing works. Uh, so it's being able to bridge that gap and look at things from all of the different angles that I would need to look at it. That's right, there are many perspectives involved here, and if, if you can try to get your head around as many as possible, it would make sense that you'll be able to speak to the different groups involved. Um, the communication and co cooperation among departments is always important. Right, and it, and it also applies when it, as far as the actual audit work itself. 
you know, if I'm looking at the competitive landscape, I need to remember to look as if I'm a potential customer or a client. Uh, and when I come up with solutions, for me, it's not all about building links. It's about the quality of the content, the depth of the content, the user experience on the website. These are all part of the process uh, of actually doing the audit itself and coming up with the action plan part of the audit. So when you do come up with a, a list of, of action items or recommendations for a client, um, what do you, how do you handle um, an important recommendation being ignored? I mean, I guess you could prioritize the different action items and say, this will each give you a varying level of uh, benefit, but do you wait a few weeks if, if they've told you they're not going to do that, or do you and try again, or do you just you know try to make a really in-depth argument, or do you just kind of bite your tongue and move on to the next tactic? I prefer to take the time when an objection comes up or when I see somebody's ignoring something to get an understanding as to why that's happening. Uh, it might be a budgetary issue. You know, if if I give a client a, an audit document and the action plan is going to require 500 hours of work, they don't necessarily have the finances to afford to pay for that uh, or the technical resources uh, at hand, or it just may be uh, a belief system that they have that's causing them to think, oh, this isn't as important as he's making it out to be. I need to understand as much as possible about what the causes are before I can then make a decision how I'm going to address it. You know, and part of it is being sensitive of the fact that the vast majority of small and mid-sized business clients especially do have these, uh, these barriers to being able to execute every single thing that I might recommend. Uh, and that's where the prioritization comes up. But when I do prioritize, I find it's very important to explain why I prioritize and how I came to that conclusion without getting too lost in the technical aspects of it. Ultimately, there's going to be times when I need to just let go of certain things. But if I do that, I'm all for letting the client know verbally and preferably in writing that if they choose to not do something that I've recommended as a top priority, that there's going to be consequences to that and to do the best that I can to outline what those are. The Sounds final thing that I think is really important is to make sure that I provide options. If they say, okay, well, we're not going to do this, and that's, I, I get to the point where I realize this is a losing battle. I need to come up with alternative paths to take to try and compensate for that and work within the constraints that I'm given. That makes sense. Good advice. And um, you also give uh, SEOs um, the advice that they should not really ever give away an audit. And there can be sometimes this pressure to do a service for free, hoping that maybe a potential client will understand that you do have a, val a very valuable service to offer um, or so that you can stand out amongst the competition uh, when you're vying for a new client, but why do you recommend against that? Well, it's really simple. You know, it's one thing to offer a free one-hour consultation. You know, uh, 
just doing a, a half an hour or a one hour consultation can quite often be enough to say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm putting in the goodwill footwork here for you to show that I care and that uh, I want to be able to show to you that I know what I'm talking about. So if somebody feels the need to give something away for free, that's the most I recommend. When I do an audit, it's 10, 15, 20, 40, or 50 hours long. There's no way I'm going to spend 10 hours of my professional life and give it away for free. You know, that's this just my reality and who I am today. Uh, but in the 15 years I've been doing in this business, in the Internet business, I've never once experienced a situation where when I did give it away for free, it worked out positively for me or the client. Uh, mm-hmm. There wasn't the level of respect or trust that I need to have with the client moving forward. And while there's a lot of business owners who are financially not in a position to be able to afford $1,500, $3,000, $5,000 just for the audit, I understand that, and that may mean that they need to work with somebody else. You know, I can't help every single business owner with every single thing that they might need. I'd rather work with those clients who can afford the rate, understand that they're paying for a really powerful answer to a critical business need. And if they're financially not stable enough to afford it, that's a whole different ballgame, and I don't want to be their their vendor anyway. So I highly recommend that if anybody offers anything for free, that it never be more than a very short block of time. Well, that makes sense, and, and it really speaks to the value all the way around for these services uh, of consultants like yourself. Thank you so much again for Alan on Twitter and uh, commiserate with a fellow consultant, Alan Blyweiss, A-L-A-N-B-L-E-I-W-E-I-S-S. Thank you for coming on the show, Alan. Thanks, Virginia. I appreciate it. So it's time for a quick break, but we will be back soon to talk about marketing online as a big picture and making all the pieces work together. SEM Synergy will be right back. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. Did you know? 99designs is a leading marketplace for graphic design on the internet. Did you know? 99designs connects you to a community of over 35,000 designers who will compete to do the best work for you. Did you know? 99designs allows you to post projects for logo design, web page design, t-shirt design, and more. Did you know? 99designs projects need an average of over 70 different design options for a price that you set. 99designs. When designers compete, you win. How would you like to not ever have to deal with a gatekeeper again? Can't find the direct contact for the decision maker? Stop calling the main directory. Because now there's Lead Researcher from eGrabber. 
the one-stop source for finding contact information online. eGrabber finds email addresses or lets you find people with their email address. Just look up a company name and eGrabber gives you a complete list of names, IDs, email addresses, and phone numbers that you need fast. Think of the time that you'll save with Lead Researcher. Learn more about Lead Researcher at www.egrabber.com slash WMR. That's egrabber.com slash WMR. Ready to learn to be a mass marketing mastermind? Take some notes from the godfathers of mass distribution. Inbox, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Bruce Clay. Welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Virginia, and I'm here with Susan and Derek Gross. And and a discussion that often comes up in the industry is how the many channels of digital media work together. Sometimes you'll hear SEO versus PPC or something like that, but the truth is there's really not one digital marketing channel that is you should be putting all your eggs in that one basket. I think you're right. There definitely needs to be a holistic strategy here. We've got you know, people saying SEO versus PPC. We've got social media versus search. We've got conversion optimization. We've got landing page optimization. Everybody's got their little fight in the war instead of the tool in the toolbox. Right. You know, that's, that's the real problem. Somebody recently said something about saying, I've got SEO, I'm ready to do my marketing. It's like saying, I've got a hammer, I'm ready to build my house. Who said that? It was really know, good. I, I liked it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I liked it. I just don't remember. You know, I think, I think it's funny that you use the, the term war, and I know that was something that I've seen bounced around in an article here or there or whatever, but I honestly don't think that it needs to be a war. I mean, really what we need to be looking at for all of these examples, and, and some of them are very disparate, but they're all pieces in a bigger puzzle. And I, and I do think that the, the concept of use them as tools or understand the nature of what you're dealing with, uh, and then you're going to find that you're going to end up using bits and pieces of everything. Uh, I, we were just talking before uh, before the show a little earlier regarding, uh, say, well, how are we talking about this? Whether it should be you should be list, listed locally if you're a local business, or should you put all your energy into say Twitter and social media? And the answer is is well, actually probably both because they are two different functions with two different purposes. And so really, I think that it, it comes down to understanding what does the tool do, what what is it is, is its job. And therefore, how does that integrate into what you're trying to do so that you have all the right tools and you're working in the right areas? Yeah. Vanessa Fox had a fantastic post on 9 by Blue uh, a couple weeks ago about exactly this, about should you, should restaurants in particular care about local search or do I just need to be on Twitter? And she has some really awesome examples about, okay, so everybody's talking on Twitter about, oh, there's this new place. It's really great. You should go try it. And so later, you know, somebody hears about it and then later is like, hey, we should try that and then can't find it again on Twitter because it right. moves so quickly that the conversation was happening and now it's gone. Right. Well, So I th- you go try and search for it and then it's not there. Right. Well, I mean, uh, one of the things that I'm looking at this as is local search is essentially the, the yellow page phone directory of our generation. It's where people will go to actually find the thing that they know they're looking for, uh, whereas they might be using Twitter 
or, or any of the other social media outlets out there that might be more of a, of a branding campaign, an awareness campaign, almost like just buying advertising somewhere. It's a word of mouth campaign. And so it's one thing to build the awareness so that people know about you, have heard about you, or you might go use Yelp and see the reviews that people have about you. But that still doesn't tell people necessarily where you're located or exactly you know, where to find you. So a local search would be very powerful, especially for a restaurant. And there are actually some engines out there that are trying to be very, uh, very specific to verticals like a restaurant directory or you know, small business directory that is also localized. You want to be found for what you do so that people can actually locate you. Yeah, yeah I, I think that particularly for local businesses, it's so crucial to claim your listing so that when somebody you know, hears about you on Twitter and then they go and they do the search for you on Google, you show up. Yes. Because if they're looking for you, why wouldn't you want to be there? Right. You know, if you're putting the effort in to, to make to start the conversation, be part of the conversation, you have to follow through and, right. and be present where they're expecting you to be. This, I mean, this really even goes back, you know, a year and a half ago, we were talking about Halo Media at PubCon, where... Your site sits in the center of all of that, but you have your banner ads, you have your print ads, you have your social media, you have your SEO. You have all of these things that surround and engage people at different levels of their attention span so that they've heard about you four different times and now they're ready to come look for you. And that's everybody. That's not just local. Right. Well, I mean, I think this, I mean, we can extrapolate this to another side of this uh, discussion as you started off with. Uh, you know, we can take a look at, let's say, conversion rate optimization, the CRO argument where, you know, uh, SEO is nothing without conversions, which is very true. But you can flip that around and say you can optimize the hell out of your site for a conversion. And yet if you're not bringing people into the door, what was the point? So really these become more holistic or synergistic uh uh, processes to put together. These are these are things that we should be doing hand in hand, customized to the needs of your business and site. Right. If you've you've, you've got your conversion rates down so that four out of every five people who land on your page are converting, you're just amazing. Everybody who's there is great, but you're only getting ten people a week. Right. Okay. Well, more power to you with those eight sales. Yeah. You know. How about if you get a thousand people because you actually went out and did your you know, SEO. And okay, maybe you're getting a little bit traffic that's not converting quite as well. Maybe it's 70% instead of your 80% that you had before. I'll take 70% of a thousand over 80% of 10. Well, I I think still the the bigger point with all of this is, is that to, to adhere to any one of these tenets that we're talking about, any one of these practices and saying, this is it, this is my gold mine. That I think is is kind of uh, premature and a little irresponsible for your business. So you need to look at the benefits of every single one of these actions and at what level do you need to engage them. Let me ask you, how do you explain that to clients? Uh, it can be very challenging sometimes, especially depending on w- when I deal with clients. I might be dealing with the head of the company. I might be dealing with a technical person. Uh, I'm in charge of IT. I might be dealing with the marketing person. So every client's a little different. So I have to change my perspective. Uh, to and, and how I approach this so that I can I can share this with the person I'm talking to and sometimes I have to escalate it with somebody with more power so more ability and authority to make changes so it, it's it's challenging on many levels just getting the point across and then being able to implement on those points uh, typically though I need to put it in more traditional terms more traditional meeting when I'm talking to marketing directors and I start equating things to a print ad or I equate things to uh, a branding campaign or things that have a, a more a traditional advertising uh, uh, equivalent, it becomes a lot more clear on what the goals and purposes are of the different things that we're doing. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a really key point, too, is, is talking to your audience in a way that they're going to understand. Yes. We are out of time for this show. 
Um, thank you to Webmaster Radio for producing the show. Check out semsynergy.com for more on this week's guest and topics. You can follow us on Twitter at semsynergy. If you have any internet marketing questions or there's anything else you want to hear about, just email us at semsynergy at bruceclay.com or you know send us a little message on Twitter. We'll get that too. Come back next week for more industry info and experts. Thank you for joining us on SEM Synergy. Yeah.